your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Good afternoon, and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, a new internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, an international nonprofit organization dedicated to providing support, education, and hope to people with cancer and their loved ones at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. Before we begin today's topic, let's move to a segment we call Cancer in the News, which highlights the latest cancer headlines. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. Researchers recently released results from a study that indicates that excess weight can lead to increased levels of the hormone estrogen, which has been tied to the development of breast and uterine cancer in women. Women who were overweight were four times more likely to develop cancer of the uterine lining. Obese women were also at greater risk of breast and colon cancer. Excess weight increases mortality for many cancers, but the strongest link is seen in overweight women with endometrial cancer, who are six and a quarter times more likely to die from the disease. In light of these findings, the MD Anderson Cancer Center, located in Houston, administered a survey to determine women's general awareness of the obesity-cancer connection. Researchers found that out of 1,545 women, just 42% knew that obesity increased their risk of endometrial cancer, while 53% knew that colon cancer is associated with obesity, and 54% were aware that excess weight increases breast cancer risk. The women in the current study were fairly well-educated, with most having a college or professional degree, and the great majority had health insurance. Even patients who were routinely seeing a physician weren't aware that obesity increases their risk. In other news, experts have found that men who drink a moderate amount of red wine may lower their risk of lung cancer even if they smoke. An antioxidant component in red wine may help to prevent lung cancer, leading scientists to continue future studies to find out if there is something in red wine that may help to either prevent or treat lung cancer. Researchers cautioned, however, that these findings don't mean that it's okay to smoke. The study involved 84,170 men who participated in the California Men's Health Study. Among these men, the researchers identified 210 cases of lung cancer. The researchers found that there was, on average, a 2% lower risk of lung cancer associated with each glass of red wine consumed per month. The greatest reduction was among men who smoked and drank one to two glasses of red wine a day. These men lowered their risk for lung cancer by 60%. The reduction wasn't as pronounced among non-smokers who drank one to two glasses of red wine a day, and no reduction in risk for lung cancer was associated with white wine, beer, or liquor. Despite the findings, experts warn against thinking that smoking and drinking red wine can actually prevent lung cancer. While the study raises questions about whether or not there is a cancer-protective effect in red wine, researchers will continue to perform testing to see if this association holds up. In other cancer prevention news, another study revealed that high consumption of soy appears to specifically reduce the risk of ER-positive tumors and HER2-negative tumors. 
For women who ate the most soy compared with those who ate the least amounts, the odds of having ER-positive breast cancer were reduced by 26%, and for women with HER2-negative breast cancer, the reduced risk was 22%. Experts say that the findings are biologically plausible and suggest a potential benefit of soybean products in the prevention of breast cancer. I'm Bill Schaefer, and that's today's Cancer in the News. There are many ways to cope with a cancer diagnosis. At the wellness community, we provide an array of resources from support groups to yoga to creative writing workshops. On today's show, we'll be talking about another way one man and his oncologist have lifted spirits and struck a musical chord with many cancer patients. First on our show, we have Brett Martin, a cancer survivor and a man also known as the Cancer Crooner. Brett is a singer and a songwriter and uses his talents not only to help him cope with his cancer diagnosis, but also to reach out to others. He created a CD called The Ultimate Cancer Pep Talk, which is available on his website at www.cancercrooner.com, and he's here with us today to share his story. Welcome, Brett. Thank you so much, and thanks for all the great things the wellness community does for our society and the cancer patients are in such great need. Excellent. Thanks, Brett. Um, we're also excited that we're joined today by Dr. Mark Bosdeck, Brett's oncologist and musical collaborator. Uh, Mark practices hematology and oncology in Santa Rosa, California, and we're very grateful he took time out of his schedule to be with us today. Welcome, Mark. I'm glad to be here, and uh, again, thank you also for all the good that you do uh, for all the patients that you help. Well, we're so glad to have you guys on the show um, to learn more about how the partnership between the two of you expanded, really, beyond the usual patient-doctor relationship. Um, So, you know, I'd love to jump right in. So I'd like to start, Brett, with you. I'd love for you to just tell us your story. Uh, Tell us about your cancer experience, when you were diagnosed, what that was like, and really when and why you decided to turn that into your, your project, The Cancer Crooner. Well, before I got diagnosed with colon cancer, I was a aspiring singer-songwriter with uh, looking, searching for uh, powerful things to write about, and, and cancer came my way, and I was sitting there in the chemotherapy lounge. I call it the chemo lounge, getting the infusion room, and uh, I was overwrought with great material to write about, so I started writing <laughs> right in the infusion room from, from Dr. Bosdeck's great compassion that he showed for me and, and the lessons I learned about trying to get the right drugs and treatments. There was so much, so much going through that I didn't know, and I didn't realize how many people were going through the exact same experience that I was. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's you know, it's it's uh, amazing when you're sort of thrown into an experience like that, really not expecting it. It becomes another world, doesn't it? A whole other language, Brent. Absolutely, and I was sure hoping that my album wasn't going to be a posthumous hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad as well that it, that, it, uh, that it wasn't. So, so Mark, take us back to when you first met uh, Brett and um, how how you guys sort of struck up this relationship that really has grown beyond just a traditional physician-patient relationship. Well, it was that in the beginning, but of course Brett's a very special person too, and uh, so in the course of his treatment, not only did we have that professional relationship, but his his humor and uh, his insights, uh, you know, struck a chord, and uh, I... uh, Became we became friends as well as uh, partners in this fight against uh, his cancer, and and just to correct Brett a little bit, uh, we never had any doubts that he it was going to be posthumous because he was getting treated in a preventative way to really prevent his cancer from coming back. Mm. Fantastic! And I like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brett, tell us a little bit more about your diagnosis, what your treatment was like, what really what you went through. Well, I had my. Uh, um, 
I, I had colitis for many years, and I actually would go into the doctor's office, and we would sit and talk about my colitis, and five years went by, and I never got scope for my colonoscopy. So i got to tell people out there, you know, there are people out there that need these colon, you know, colonoscopies, and I didn't get it done, and I'm a patient. I was at super high risk, and I finally went in because there was a drug protocol um, where I could possibly get some treatment for my colitis, and they went in to do the examination, and um, uh, they, they turned me down for the protocol, and I couldn't figure out why. It turns out they found something that they thought might be questionable, and when they opened me up, when, uh, when my docs opened me up, they found that there was a tumor hidden in there that was missed during the scope, uh, because uh, with colitis, your tumors manifest a little different, differently rather than a polyp. They, you know, it, uh, a little tumor grew, and, they, and they, uh, it was so close. It was just hanging in the membrane. There was some dispute about whether it had left or not, whether it had metastasized, and Dr. Bosdek said, let's err on the side of caution, and my wife agreed and gave me no other choice but to do the chemotherapy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we started, and I tell you, I went from fear. I was so scared when I started, and I got so many different pieces of information. And, of course, going onto the Internet, I, you know, I, there was a whole laundry list of things I could have potentially had. Dr. Bosdek talked us down. When I walked out of his office, I had a confident smile on my face. I had nausea in my stomach, but a smile. <laughs> So you were at that point feeling pretty good about what the future looked like. What the future looked like. And that, and that wasn't until I started, you know, you start going through the process. And, you know, uh, Dr. Bosdick had warned me, his, you know, this, this you know, uh, chemotherapy is a cumulative process, and it does take its toll, and it, and it did. And it, and it wore me down. I became very tired, and, and, and nausea was a big issue for me. And, and Dr. Bosdick and the nurses worked together through the insurance maze and uh, helping me get the proper treatment because uh, I had a really, really tricky, a real big challenge with my nausea, and it was interesting when Dr. Bosdick and I were doing the audio program, I mentioned that I never felt like I fully got a handle on the nausea, and he said something that I'd never heard a doctor say before. He said, I'm sorry. I wish I would have known. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, a doctor? What? This is <laughs> blew my mind. And it, made, it, just, it, it affirmed to me that he hadn't compartmentalized his life as a doctor mm-hmm. and disconnected from me. And, and we were commuting, communing on a, on a deep level. So, so it, it made such a difference for my diagnosis. And I've got a friend of mine who was given two terminal diagnoses from two different doctors. A third doctor gave her the same diagnosis, and she finally got it, and she broke down crying. Because, and I said, what was the difference between that doctor? She said, that doctor connected with my heart. So I was able to take in the message without putting up my walls. And when I'm around Dr. Bosdek, my walls are down, oh. and, I, and I'm able to express myself. Fantastic. That's fantastic and, and rare, I think. Yeah. Now, so, Brett, you were an aspiring musician. Then you became a cancer patient. Yes. Then you became the cancer crooner. <laughs> right. So tell me, what, what, when you, what went through your mind when you said, I, I'm, I'm going to put these two pieces of my life together and, and, and take a next step? Well, I started sharing it around, um, the sharing the songs around, and some people said, you know, I, I want that for a ringtone for my phone, or I want, you know, <laughs> I want to play this. And, and uh, at that point I realized, you know, there's something here. I'm expressing my feelings that, that I thought maybe were my own intimate feelings, but almost everybody had some version of these feelings that I was going through. And, you know, from, from the, 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 the loss of your everyday life, the loss of control, giving up for the first time in my life, feeling not special. I always thought somehow that the world revolved around me, um, egomaniacally, as, as many of us do, mm-hmm. and cancer humbled me. 
It changed, you know, I, I, now that, you know, now that I've, I'm getting better and I feel safe, I've, I've turned back into an ego maniacal monster again. <laughs> and I've got a song about that called Sliding from Enlightenment because I, I, as soon as I think that I may be having to leave the planet, I, the, the sun is beautiful, the air smells so fresh, and as soon as, you know, as soon as that goes away, it's, it's a constant battle for me. So, so, Mark, how did you stumble on the fact that Brett was actually a, a, a musician? And how did you go, how did that conversation go? I, I, I don't remember exactly, except that he. Uh, well, no, no. I, I he had he had a play that that I heard the musical that uh, he gave me some songs for, and then he told me I think during the course of this that he was beginning to write uh, some songs about his experience, and uh, he let me uh, listen to some of them, and they were wonderful. I mean, very well written, compassionate, uh, funny. You know, in a in a way, not not a mocking way, but uh, the, the the humor that you need to fight things with. Uh, that's that's one of the things about being a human that that is unique is that we fight things with humor. Uh, you know, bad experiences, and so it was that, and I just loved them. And uh, so then he decided to do this uh, ultimate cancer pep talk, and uh, he sort of gave it to me to er, review. And I said, "Wow, that sounds cool." I said I would sprinkle the songs kind of throughout it because you know the narrative. Goes goes on so long at the beginning, and, and he did that. And then I said, you know, I had some comments on some of the things you said, so he gave me the script to review, and I sort of made some notations in the side. And one of them was about uh, uh, the uh, that a patient has to look out for himself or herself, that, that doctors and nurses aren't perfect. And I said, absolutely, you know, that you're right on. I said, but, I said, we're not oncology cowboys anymore. And then I sort of thought to myself, this light bulb went off and I thought, you know, this could be a song. And then so I asked Brad, do you mind if I write a few verses? <laughs> so that's, that's how, that, and there's only one song that I've participated in. The rest are all his and they're just wonderful. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, well, you know what, Brett, we're going to go, um, we are going to go to uh, a quick break and then we're going to come back and, and uh, pick up this conversation we're on today with uh, Brett, Mart- Brett Martin, who is the cancer crooner and we're actually going to hear some of his music on the show today. Uh, and Dr. Mark Bosbeck, who is uh, Brett's oncologist uh, out in California. We're talking about uh, music and inspiration and really surviving and, and, and coping with cancer. We will be right back after this break. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. It attacks the brain, and you might not know what hit you. It's a stroke, and it can cripple or kill you. If suddenly you're numb or weak on one side, limb, or face, it could be a stroke. Get help. 
there's no time to waste. It could even be a sudden, severe headache without cause. If you wait to get help, time lost is brain lost. Maybe it's a loved one slurring their speech or dizzy. Call 911 and get medical help quickly. There are even more symptoms that I did not mention. So call or hit the web for information and prevention. Blacks have a higher occurrence. Do you want to know more? Call 1-888-4-STROKE or visit www.strokeassociation.org. High blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. All make the risk of a stroke more likely. But remember, if it happens, do not delay. Or disability might be the price you pay. A public service message brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today we're talking to Brett Martin, the cancer crooner, and his oncologist and musical collaborator, Dr. Mark Bosdeck. Brett, obviously your family has played a tremendous role throughout your cancer experience. Uh, I understand that when you were diagnosed with cancer, your wife, Holly, was pregnant with your son, Jordan, and you wrote a song for him called Coming Into the Rain. Let's take a listen to uh, a little bit of that song right now, and then we can uh, take a few minutes to talk about it, and you can give us uh, a little bit of, of, of a background about why you decided to write that song when Holly was pregnant. Let's listen to that now. It was springtime, bright and sunny, when your mom told me the news. The test strip changed from one red line to two. By the time that she was showing, gentle breezes still were blowing on this picture-perfect world for your debut. We can use that same old bassinet, nowhere getting one that's new what you think they come in pink or maybe baby blue every conversation led to you our new creation then suddenly a storm began to brew there was something growing inside your daddy too you're coming into No starlight, star bright The clouds stole it away You're coming into the rain And baby, if I could I'd roll those clouds away What, what a lovely song. Tell, tell us a little bit about it. Why did you decide to write that song? What was going through your head that really uh, inspired that for you? Well, it's an interesting experience. You're know, getting ready to have a baby, and everything is baby this, baby that, painting the room, all that, you know, the test, you know, yeah. all the way through. And, and uh, all of a sudden, 
I couldn't even think about it. I had to, I was almost as if I had to be reminded, oh, yeah, we've got a baby coming. Mm-hmm. I was so engulfed in my own fear and misery that I couldn't escape. So, and, and then for, uh, this baby who was going to be the star comes in at the absolute worst time. Um, but, of course, it was the best, the best time, and you can't change those things. So, so uh, um, you know, we all have the good sense when it starts raining to come in. The baby's coming out when the baby's coming out. And, and I felt guilty. And, I, and, and this song I wrote later in the album because I was kind of overwrought by guilt looking at pictures. And here I am, the baby's born. And I, do I kind of remember that? I was in between my chemotherapy <laughs> break. I sort of had chemo brain. And, and it was all sort of foggy. And I thought, what a, what a shame to have one of the greatest experiences of your life to be a foggy memory. And and he got gypped. My wife got gypped, and uh, so so that song was for them. And and I and I was a pretty lame guy. I wasn't uh, um, a very active, helpful father. Um, I you know feel guilty about that. You know, and and uh, so this song was uh, uh, you know it's not a full atonement, but it's a start. <laughs> and and it ha- it was a way for you to kind of focus back on him a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, to focus back on and to realize that he really did. You know, at the end of the song. The, he brought the sunshine. Mm. Um, so, so, uh, um, and I, and I was at one point. I finally did come out of the fog, but I, I did have great moments with him. But, but the thing is, when you're trying to live your life and the family's trying to go about their daily business, you just don't schedule in cancer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. So, so, Mark, I mean, I imagine in your work you see patients going through a whole range. Uh, of emotional issues and uh, and experiences, and really, folks have many different ways to cope or sometimes not cope with uh, with some of those issues. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your experience and, and observation uh, in in all the years that you've been practicing oncology? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's incredibly varied, and uh, there's you know, it touches every part of uh, uh, every person uh, and there's all kinds of different experiences. Uh, another example is not too long ago, since Brett's been treated, we had a young woman who uh, had lymphoma while she was pregnant and she had to have chemotherapy while she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and uh, interestingly enough and miraculously enough, you can do that safely and not harm the baby. That is amazing. And uh, the baby was born and, uh, you know, we uh, every not only the mother but all of us in the clinic uh, were just, uh, you know, just uh, wondrous. It was just a wondrous experience to have her have her baby safely and be free of her cancer. And the baby was fine. And the baby was fine. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Do you have, um, do you have a lot of folks, Mark, coming in with, 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 uh, with family members, with support systems, with, uh, well, we certainly would. We certainly encourage that. Uh, it's not something you want to do by yourself. Uh, you need support. You need your family, your friends. Uh, you need people to drive you sometimes. You need people to talk to to help you when you're feeling weak or sick. And uh, it's it's very much a team effort. Uh, and uh, we encourage family members to to be with patients uh, when they're when they're seen and in the infusion room and of course at home to help them. Helpful, helpful, positive family members, not drags. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes it does drive a wedge between people who can't uh, cope with it. I mean, unfortunately, it's a very stressful thing, and, and uh, we have seen, fortunately, it's the minority where, uh, you know, people get so stressed out they can't cope with it and they abandon the patient, and that's very mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. 
and a lot of infighting, too. That was one of the, uh, the items that Dr. Bosick and I went back and forth over on the pep talk was about making sure that people that are there with you and supporting you are actually supportive and somehow you're not allowing them to manipulate you and understand that if you're the cancer patient that this time is about you and you need to be supported. And if there's a family member or a friend, they should never do anything to increase your workload or make your cancer experience more challenging. They should only add to make it better. Right, right. Yeah, and they shouldn't make comments like, well, yes, I knew somebody who had exactly what you had, uh, you know, and they died three months later. I mean, those are not helpful comments. Not helpful. <laughs> not helpful. I had one patient who said to me, you know, I, you know, recognizing that different people have different skills and different expertise, they said to me, look, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I created like an executive committee for myself, and I, because I knew who was good at what, you know, I knew who yeah. I wanted out there doing the information gathering for me. Yep. You know, I knew who I wanted out there being the interface with people who were, kind of calling to check in on me. I certainly knew who I wanted out there cooking my meals for me right. <laughs> and who I didn't want cooking my meals for me. And they said, I kind of created my little cancer, you know, executive committee. Yeah. Um, and and I really deployed people based on what their own strengths were. Yeah, that's a, a great I idea. I think if you can do that, that's wonderful. You're a step ahead then, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend of mine do the same thing with my wife and I, and he said to me, he said, Brett, you're a fun, funny guy. I just want jokes and fun with you. I want to cry with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 you know, people want different things, and if they want me, you know, if you if you want me to be serious, I'll be serious. If you want me to come in and tell jokes and smile, I'll do that too. Just tell me what my role is. <laughs> well, we're going to go to a break in just a minute, but Brett, I know on your website, Cancer Crooner, you you talk about when you started writing songs. Um, you you talked about it really as a way to broach the taboos around cancer. Right. What do you think some of those taboos are? Tell tell our audience. Well, you know, one of the biggest taboos for me that comes out of my mind is stigma. One is first, oh, my gosh, Brett's got cancer. Oh, it's just the most horrible thing. You know what? I don't want cancer in the closet. You know, I had an ileostomy as well, which is where the feces is coming out of the, a hole made in my belly with a bag, and that lasted for quite a few months, just enough months to humble me to the point where I was really, really an open vessel and very loving and accepting of others, which I wasn't always in my life before this. So stigma is when people are coming, they're judging you. I was, I was as scared of having a bag, an ileostomy, as I was of dying of cancer because of my fear of how other, people's would, perceive, how other people would perceive me. Mm. I've got a friend who has, has um, labia melanoma, and she has a giant tumor, and, and she can barely walk, and it stinks up the whole neighborhood. Mm. And she calls me crying, and we're talking. She says, I stink so bad, no one wants to come to the house. I said, look, you don't stink. It's the tumor, and we're going to work on this. And, 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 and those are the kind of things. Until you've met somebody or known anybody that had that kind of experience, it, 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 you haven't really lived, in my, for, as far as me, I haven't really lived until I've learned to put all that stigma stuff behind me. And I'm not going to hide in the shadows. I'm going to bring these things out, and I want to share them because with all the pain we have to suffer, stigma shouldn't be part of our pain. Shouldn't be part of it. You know, we also hear we serve a lot of people uh, with, uh, with lung cancer. And uh, we hear a lot from those folks about the stigma of, of smoking. Yeah, you, yeah you, you, you got what you deserved. You got what you deserved. You know, you brought this on yourself, and you got what you deserved. And a lot of folks have said to me, hey, Kim, you know what? The wellness community is the first place that I came where nobody really asked me if I was a smoker. It wasn't really relevant that, you know, I was a person with cancer and that I deserved care, I deserved treatment, I deserved support, and I deserved to be in a, in a, in a hopeful community along with other people with cancer. Right. 
and I, you know, those some some of the stigmas as well. I mean, I think those are, uh, you know, certainly some of the things that we're seeing, um, you know, at the wellness community. And non-smoker lung cancer is way up, from what I understand. Well, it is certainly uh, increasing, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a great. It continues to be a great, uh, you know, medical mystery. Uh, you know, in some ways, as are so many, you know, as are so many cancers, frankly, and and certainly treating cancer is as much an art uh, as it is science. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We have two great guests with us today, Brett Martin, the cancer crooner. We're listening to some of his music that was inspired uh, by his own cancer experience and his oncologist, Dr. Mark Bosdeck, who treats many, many cancer patients, uh, deals with patients and their families. Um, so we're here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and we will be right back to continue this wonderful conversation. Thanks. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Hello. Hi, Bill. Uh, this is George Dewey from up the street. Oh, hey, George. How you doing? Good, good. Say, I noticed you've been walking to work these days instead of driving, mm. and I uh, don't quite know how to say this, but, but, but what? But, but your butt, your buttocks, your butt. I think I found your butt on my front lawn. Have you recently lost it? As a matter of fact, I have, George. It's about time someone noticed. Well, it was kind of hard to miss, if you know what I mean. Anyways, would you like it back? Would I like it back? No, not really. So it's okay if I throw it out? Sure, that's fine. Take it easy, George. Small step number eight. Walk instead of driving whenever you can. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to help you become a healthier, well, you. Get started at www.smallstep.gov and take a small step to get healthy. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. 
Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Thibault, and today we have two great guests with us, Brett Martin, the cancer crooner, who really used his cancer experience to uh, inspire uh, his, his uh, songwriting and performing, and Dr. Mark Bosick, his oncologist. Uh, Brett, in the last segment, we heard the song you wrote for your son, Jordan. Uh, your wife, Holly, was still pregnant with Jordan when you were told you had cancer, and that was obviously a really emotional experience for you. Um, you also wrote a beautiful song for Holly, appropriately called Ode to Holly. Um, let's take a listen to a little bit of that song, and then we can, uh, we can talk about Holly when we come back. there beside me through all the news To have an ailing partner something no one ever would choose You told me don't believe those doctors and all their machines Those doctors may know this disease so many things even their best machines can't see Holly, all of the times I was climbing the walls Through skin spots and blood clots And waiting for calls You were there Through it all Them, I'm just a number, so why would they bother To get to know me better Who cares if I'm a husband or a father Case after case, make no mistake That's what they're comparing me to Ah, but they don't know it all you convince me that it's true They don't know how we sit and talk When the kids are off to sleep They don't know the quality of the company I keep They don't know how your touch can heal me You won't let me drown in fear You said, snap out of it, loser We all need you here Holly, they don't know the magic a love like yours can do, they don't know you. Brett, such a beautiful song. Um, tell us a little bit about how Holly was your strength and your hope through the cancer experience. Tell us, tell us uh, what role she played for you. I, re- I remember waking up from my surgery after having my cancer surgery that, um, and getting, um, having, having the original plan aborted because they found cancer and waking up in the morning with this, what could have been a permanent ileostomy. And I was embarrassed and I was laying in bed and she came in and we sat there and I pulled the bag off and you could see this undulating rosebud on my, sticking out of my belly. It's, it's hard, it was hard for me to look at and new material on my body. And I said, what do you think? And she says, I think you're stuck with me now for good. <laughs> and then and when, right when she said that, it made this noise. It went, Bleh! and I said, honey, I'm sorry. She says, honey, to me, 
that sounds like angels descending from heaven. I'm just happy you're alive. That was, that's one moment. The other moment is when I'm racking my head, waiting for a PET scan result to come back, frightened and scared, and she comes in and she says, Brett, look, I've already got four kids in the house. I can't have another one. You can't be another child to take care of. You have to get your act together. You can't act like this. You can't be in this house this way. Get it together. <laughs> so it's that tough talk, and that that's a big one. And this is a this is a, a real critical one. And um, it's about they don't know you. And this is something Dr. Bosdek who was going to talk about too. I'm sure is because we talk about this in the pep talk. Is that I had all of these items that had statistical uh, elements on them. I had a liver disease. I had colitis. My my colitis had spun into a potentially terminal liver disease, disease needing a transplant. Turns out when I started doing the chemotherapy, all my scores went back down to normal. So the truth is they don't know you, and that's what my wife said. She says, look, these are all statistics. You are not a statistic. The, you are your own person. They the doctors know a lot, but they but they only know limited based on statistics. So, and that's something, Doctor Bosick. Do you want to expound upon that? Oh yeah, that's one of my pet peeves. Uh, yeah, that's a great to expound point. Yeah. On that, uh, statistics is like political polls. You know, <laughs> uh, you cannot rely on statistics. They apply to groups, not to individuals. Yes. And in America, we're sort of. Uh, you know, fascinated or almost controlled by numbers. Everything has to have a number on it. And that's not the way it is. You know, the numbers give you some guidelines, but everybody's different. And it's not enough of a science that we can predict exactly how everybody's going to do. You know, we know in general. And that's really the way it should be. And then people go to the Internet and they get all bewildered and and really depressed by all the things that they read because there's so much junk out there. So, so how do you manage that with your patients, Mark? What do you, when they want the numbers, they want the statistics, what are my chances or, you know, how much time do I have to live or what, you know, how, how do you manage that with the patient? Well, I, we discuss it. I mean, you know, I, I answer the questions as best as I know how, and I leaven every statistic with, with, the, uh, with the statement that, uh, you know, that's not you necessarily, that, you know, that's 150 patients that they had in such and such a clinical trial. And, you know, for you, it's going to be 50-50. Either it works or it doesn't work, you know, in, in, in that in a real, very real sense. But, of course, I mean, you know, if somebody has early-stage cancer, they're going to do much, much better than that. And if they have more advanced cancer, they're going to do worse. So it's common sense, really. And uh, But, you know, people just frighten themselves to death with these statistics. And uh, numbers aren't the answer. It's it's uh, it's sort of a gut feeling. It's much more emotional than that. And when you said that, Dr. Bosek, that you said they're going to do better with, you know, earlier diagnosis, typically... I mean, because there are cases, like you said, where you actually have miracles happen, amazing things where people you, you thought were gone are still alive. Yeah, we and do I, see that. And, and people, need, people need to hear that, that, that even, when, even when someone gives you no hope, some people just don't leave and they get better. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's sort of like when you lump yourself into a statistic. Let's say I have a woman who has stage 4 breast cancer because she developed a brain metastasis and a liver metastasis, but she's been treated and she has none of that now, and she's living a perfectly normal life, and she rides horses, and she's a very active individual. And for all we know, it's cured, and uh, that's like leukemia. I mean, you know, we cure people with chemotherapy or with transplants for leukemia, and in the past they died. So where do you draw the line? You know? 
know, you, you may be stage four, but you're a stage four that's different from a lot of other people with stage four disease, you know. So don't give up hope. Anybody oh. out there who thinks it's hopeless, don't give up hope. Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the things that I hear from from a lot of folks at the wellness community is, you know, they're just, they're, they're, they're regardless of what the diagnosis or the prognosis is, they, they, they're coming to us to learn how to have a better quality of life, that it's not about the uh, the days in my life, but the life in my days. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And so, so, Mark, what, what effect do you think Brett's music has had on his, his quality of life, on his health and quality of life? Well, I think it's wonderful, not only for him, but, you know, it's affected a lot of other people. We've we've had uh, the CD, which was funded by the local blood bank here. We've given out to patients and had such a wonderful response. Uh, it's brightened people's lives, uh, you know, throughout our practice and, and, and beyond that. So, uh, and I think for him, uh, it was a, you know, creativity is a way of channeling some of that that uh, concern and the fear and, and all that into a real positive outlet. And, Brad, you have to comment on that. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it was a, a very wonderful thing to do. And as an artist, it's the first time I didn't have to pay to reproduce my own CDs. <laughs> I didn't make any money, but I broke even. Yeah. I mean, That's a blessing in and of itself, isn't it? <laughs> it's a miracle. So, Brett, tell, tell us a little bit about, we're going to take a, a break here in just a minute or two, but tell us a little bit about how you're getting the word out. What are you doing to get this hopeful message uh, message out to people? Beyond the Cancer Crooner website and the CD, are you, are you doing interviews? Are you doing performances? What are you doing to get the word out and inspire people? You know, I, I'll do whatever comes my way. You know, I've also, we've, we've got a family of, uh, family of four, and we're adopting one more child from Ethiopia right now. So mm. we, so we, we kind of have our hands full, but I'm willing to go anywhere and do anything. The, the website is, it's free. So basically, the, the CDs are going out for free. Uh, the, the songs are available. I just want people to have access to this and share. One of the most exciting things is that when people hear about this, they, a lot of people are artists, and they want to share too. And they'll call up and they say, I've written a song, and a lot of people are writing great stuff and sharing. And it just if they can just start a conversation, if they can listen to this and it inspires a dialogue, then we're already there. That's what we want to do. We want to start talking because as soon as we start talking about these issues, problems get solved just by the nature of dialogue and sharing. There's so, so many things go unmentioned, and in, and in that unmentioning is that darkness and that fear. So I want to keep sharing and keep it open. And again, you know, if anybody has any ideas for me, <laughs> for me I'm game. I, if it'll help patients, let's do it. Let's you know. Let's get together. Let's collaborate. There's so you know so many great programs. The, all the different cancer, orga- all the different organizations that are that are doing events. All these events, I try to attend those locally. Yeah. So yeah. you know. Yeah, I know at the wellness community we're doing uh, creative writing programs, we're doing drumming uh, programs and dance and creative movement programs, and, um, and, and and we have folks who tell us, you know, I never thought I had this in me. I mean, I never thought I had any talent, you know, at all, or I was never really an artistic person, but that it was cancer who kind of led me down this path. I hear that so often. You know, it wasn't until I got cancer that I started writing, that I started writing songs, that I started horseback riding or talking to my mother. That's another one we were talking about, the, uh, Dr. Bosdek and I. The best effect, you, the best thing you could ever get out of this is forgiveness, forgiving people. If you're sick or if someone you love is sick, forgive somebody. 
Absolutely. You, you we, know, we uh, we hear from so many people about this, this how this cancer experience inspired them to go out and heal relationships. Um, oh. Also, to make up make different choices, um, folks. You know, the, we hear a lot. The you know, the, you know, the expression cancer was a wake up call. Yeah. Uh, to me, and uh, it was really through my cancer experience that uh, I decided to make a career change. I decided to leave a bad marriage. I decided to heal uh, a broken relationship. And I, you know, we have twenty six wellness communities across the country. Um, and as I travel around the country. I hear that quite a bit. We're going to go into a quick break here, uh, frankly speaking about cancer. We have two uh, wonderful guests, and we will be back in just a minute to uh, wrap up the show. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Holistic health and well-being covers many facets, including stress, time management, weight loss, cardiovascular training, and aging. And that's just to name a few. Your Life Without Limits will help to sort it all out for you. Join host Joe Sardi and the top minds in holistic health and well-being for an educational and entertaining hour. Listen for Your Life Without Limits. Heard every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Network. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, we have one final song to play for you today from uh, Brett C.D. It's a wonderfully fun and upbeat song called We're Not Oncology Cowboys Anymore. So let's take a quick listen and then we'll talk about that. It was a new frontier oncology for young gun docs. It was the place they chose to be before. Ports and pick lines and Methotrex 8. There was old Doc Farber in Boston, 1948, and the world's first chemotherapy was born. And some kids with leukemia for the first time were feeling okay. To the docs of the past we owe a big, big debt. They gave their all blood, tears, and sweat to save the cancer patients. Before they rode into 
into town. Sales came down, turned bad with cancer. There was no answer. Survival rates had lowered expectations. But cowboys led the way. Boldly treated, giving hope to folks whose dreams had formerly been cheated by the villain cancer that we all despise. They were renegades and they led the way. We use their findings still today, but to be a cowboy doctor these days would be ill-advised. Yeah, we ain't got the insurance for that. Not on college, you cowboys anymore. You're the lady, you're the lady. We don't get hot and bothered. Thrown out and swinging doors. We're more the strong and silent type. More protocol, less quick draw. Less outlaw. We're not on college, you cowboys anymore. Pilgrim. All right, guys, I've got to tell you, that was maybe the most unconventional collaboration I've ever seen between a doctor and a patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm That's what made it so it. much fun, yeah. Yeah, what a blast, what a blast. So, uh, so Brett, I understand you're being a little bit modest about some of your performances and uh, who you're collaborating with and what some of your projects are. So just tell us a little bit yeah, more I'm about so- it. You know, I can't believe I'm, I can't claim chemo brain, but thanks, Doc, Doc for mentioning this. Um, I'm in a, a documentary film. I'm the focal point of a documentary film called Change that just won the Washougal Film Festival in Washington. Nice. Now it's now it's uh, a featured film uh, that's going to be rolling in uh, um, the San Fernando Valley Film Festival um, oh, wow. as a documentary. It's about uh, um, my experience with cancer, my circle of friends uh, going through the ordeal, and a little splash of world peace at the end. Um, and the surprise is I've got uh, Tommy Smothers from the Smothers Brothers, oh, um, wow. who's singing my song uh, called "Who Do I Have to Hate to Be Your Friend." And uh, so, so uh, um, I met him through my songwriting, and he, he's been working on that song. And he comes with me just about every other Wednesday as I go to deliver fruit down at the chemotherapy lounge to fill my grandmother's fruit bowl. He does yo-yo tricks for the cancer patients, mm-hmm. and he loves humbling himself and raising them up. When he sees somebody, like, in a room by themselves and they're down and they're low, he prides himself on how high he could lift them. And we have a great time doing that together. And I've, I've met some, some just great people at all these organizations, you know, like uh, um, uh, Kristen Olson over at Genentech who connected me with you. I mean, just I keep meeting fantastic yeah. people. And, you know, when you're on the path, everybody you need to meet standing right there. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Since I, since I started working on this, what I love, I've never had to ask myself, am I working? Am I doing the right thing? I just feel good and I'm going the right way. Um, it doesn't, it's not paying money, <laughs> but what it's paying is so much bigger right now. Uh, fantastic. I mean, I want to thank Kristen Olson too for getting us uh, for getting us connected because it's just been um, it's been just a wonderful. Oh, she's fantastic. And oh, and by the way, the, the filmmaker, this guy Tyler Macy, I met him on Craigslist. He was looking to do a twenty minute short about colon cancer because his uncle died. And after he heard my story, he goes, "Hey, can we turn this into a feature film?" I said, "Sure, come on down." So they stayed with us. Oh wow! Yeah, and Dr. Bosdek was kind enough to let us come through their office, and and they've really they have worked so hard to help uh, let me continue to do what I what it is I'm doing. I mean, I can't believe that my oncologist would take the time to read through 
a 50-page script that I wrote, which was the start of my pep talk. Mm-hmm. His, his participation gave me so much excitement. I think if he wasn't participating the way he did, I don't think I ever would have finished it because he validated what it was I was doing. And he gave us, we, together we got that point-counterpoint where you get the patient perspective plus the, you know, the, the, the fellow, the, the, the person who's been through it. You know, Dr. Bosick, you've been in, you, were, you are one of the oncology cowboys, right? Uh, kind of, I, I, yeah. That dates me a little bit, but, but I did start out when it was a lot less organized and uh, less scientific. Yeah. Well, uh, we're getting to the end of our show, but I just want to ask each of you quickly if you can tell us, you know, again for folks who are listening, maybe folks who've just been diagnosed with cancer. Um, what, 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 what's some advice that you would give them? What are some of the first steps they should take? Um, you know, to just find some hope, find some inspiration uh, in the face of what can be a very difficult disease. Tell your family you love them. Yeah. Uh, get some advice from somebody who will sit down and spend time with you and talk to you and uh, not just give you a diagnosis and a plan. Uh, you need Talking is so important. Uh, uh, knowing and listening and, uh, you know, individualizing. Uh, it's, uh, again, this, it's a bit, the bit about statistics. Uh, you know, your patients are not statistics. Uh, they're human beings, and I think doctors need to constantly remind themselves of that, and uh, I try, have to do that every day. Is and it important to find a doctor that you like? Of course. Of course. Yeah, never regret a second opinion. A right. second opinion will either confirm that you made the right choice or say, oh, my gosh, because I've talked to so many people that were unhappy with their doctor. They said, well, you know what, I'm going to be over this cancer soon anyway. But you know what, I'm realizing that it's a marriage. Uh, Dr. Bosdick and I if, I, if I live long enough, we're going to be together for many years because now I'm doing my annual checkups. Mm-hmm. So you got, this is like a marriage. You've got this person probably for the rest of your life. So make sure it's the right one and get that second opinion opinion or a third one if you have to. What about what about getting support? What about getting connected to other people who've been through the experience? <laughs> That's a project. I, I, I have some ideas about that. Uh, what I'd like to do is uh, set up a na- nationwide buddy system, basically using the computer as our friend, mm-hmm. of, put, of hooking people up with uh, patients just like them who've been through it who are willing to do that. And that's what we need. We need not just a local community but a nationwide system to, to have that. And, and, and it I, takes a trained oncologist to make that determin- determination about what a comparable buddy is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I also want to mention to you guys and to our audience that, you know, we actually have the the virtual wellness community online. We have an online community where we have people connecting from all over the country and actually around the world um, to get online and share uh, about their cancer experience. And we actually have online support groups that are run by trained uh, licensed therapists through the virtual wellness community. And I just mentioned to folks that that can be found at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. Um, I, I want to thank you guys so much thank you. Uh, for being on our show today. It's been It's just been a wonderful conversation. Such a pleasure, Brett, to play a few tracks off of the ultimate cancer pep talk. <laughs> Thank you. And just tell people again about the site and where oh, they can uh, find it. Uh, C-R-O-O-N-E-R.com. And, and what it, will they find there on the site? They'll find uh, um, all the songs for free. They'll find the pep talk there. You can download it as a zip uh, in two zips. So we can have Dr. Bosdeck and I, or they can stream it live. And they can go to the links page, and they can see the, you know, some of the other stuff, a little trailer on the movie that we've done, and Tommy Smothers singing my song, and hopefully more things. <laughs> and if, folks want to e- if they want to email you and be in touch oh, they, with you, they absolutely. 
do that. They, they, I, they can be in with the thousands of, of Russian computers that are emailing me all kinds of junk mail. I have to sort. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to thank both of you, Brett Martin and, and Mark Bosdick, for uh, sharing your wonderful stories and talking about the, the great relationship that you've had and, and the wonderful music that you've made together to inspire so many people with cancer. Brett, I want to dedicate our show today to your four children, to Lauren, Avonlea, Olivia, and Jordan. Thank you so um, much. Who played such an important role in, in your recovery and uh, and as you mentioned earlier, I understand you know that you and Holly are in the process of uh, adopting a fifth child from Ethiopia, which yes. is very um, exciting. And uh, I wish you um, and Holly and your growing family uh, the best of luck. I hope when uh, when the, the new child arrives, you'll put some pictures up on the website. Absolutely, you <laughs> so, got it. So we can get on the site. But I thank you guys again uh, for joining us. It was a wonderful conversation. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it again soon. And until next time, be well, do well. Live well. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. 